Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks guys. Talk to you soon. This is the Build Your Network Podcast, episode 400. Hi, this is Jeff Blackman, author of the new fifth edition of the best-selling Peak Your Profits. And if you're looking for positive, proven ways to drive relationships and results, then you need to listen to Build Your Network with my buddy, Travis Chappell. Welcome to the show. I'm Travis Chappell, and I chat with some of the world's top business influencers, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs in order to crack the code of networking. I believe that who you know is more important than what you know and that your relationships ultimately determine the person that you become. So if you want to learn the new way of connecting, if you want to fill your network with quality people and skyrocket your results, then you're in the right place because this is the Build Your Network Podcast. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Build Your Network Podcast. Cannot believe we're actually over 400 episodes into the show. And today I am chatting with Jeff Blackman. Jeff is a Hall of Fame speaker, best-selling author, success coach, broadcaster, and lawyer. His clients call him a business growth specialist. And uh, his referrals, Your Road to Results System, helped one client generate $230 million from referrals. That's one client in only 23 months. And for over four decades, Jeff has shared his positive profit-producing messages with audiences worldwide. His best-selling books include the fifth edition of Peak Your Profits and Stop Whining, Start Selling. As a radio, TV, talk show host, Jeff has interviewed people like Oprah, Jerry Seinfeld, and Bruce Jenner. And he's also a happy husband, devoted father, veteran softball player, avid biker, and a nutty Chicago Cubs fan. Jeff Blackman helps you create profits through 
people. And guys, I cannot wait for you to hear this conversation with Jeff. We're going to get into some pretty amazing things here. But first, really quickly, if you are a six, seven, or eight-figure business owner or entrepreneur, maybe solopreneur, real estate investor, et cetera, uh, maybe author, coach, consultant, speaker, trainer, whatever it is that you do, and you understand that a podcast could amplify your message, bring you more qualified prospects for your business, or help you just increase your, your network in your niche or increase your authority or credibility in your niche, whatever the reason you understand that podcasting is good for you, but you just don't have the time or team or energy to figure out all the backend production stuff and how it works, um, then have me and my team create one for you. Head over to travischapel.com slash make my podcast. There's a quick application there, and then it will lead to a phone call with me just to see if we're a good fit because we only take on clients who we really genuinely believe will be able to benefit from our services. So that's travischapel.com slash make my podcast. Jeff, what's up, man? Thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show today. Hey, my pleasure, Travis. Great to join you and your many listeners. Yes, sir. Of course. So I want to jump into building some context here first because there's some amazing accomplishments and we're going to get into a lot of these things. But I want to start off at the very beginning here. So let's rewind the clock, go back to, let's say, junior high Jeff Blackman. That's 12, 13-year-old Jeff. What were you up to back then? What were your, what were your hobbies and interests back then? 12, 13-year-old Jeff Blackman, I was probably attempting to play the guitar, not very successfully, but I did have a great guitar. It was a Gibson ES-335. I was in a band. We were terrible, Travis, but we had a great <laughs> name. Uh, are you ready? It was very racy. We were called Rated X. Rated X. Because we thought it sounded a little bit edgy. Now, I had Terrific friends in that band, and I was the rhythm guitarist, but we weren't any good, except our drummer was a guy by the name of Rick Shanley, and he would talk to us in musical terms. We'd look at each other like we have no idea what he's saying. As it <laughs> turned out, Rick Shanley became a professional musician for good reason. The rest of us, no, we just became doctors or lawyers or entrepreneurs. Rick Shanley knew what he wanted to do at a very young age. Yeah, that's, that's amazing to know what you want to do at an age that young. And to actually keep doing it for the rest of your life is pretty, pretty special. What kind, of, what kind of music do you guys play? We played classic rock. So to this day, classic my rock, preference is, and I'll say to Alexa, uh, Alexa, turn on classic rock. So I was a disc jockey for years too. And as a result of that, I grew up always in that environment of classic rock music. And I actually saw in 1964, because here's a great networking question that people can ask. And I always give a buddy by the name of Dave Timmons credit for this question, because he asked me, and the question is, what's the first concert that you ever attended? What was the year? And what do you remember? Hmm. And that simple question, Travis, always takes people back to a wonderful moment in their life. And I've done this with clients one-to-one. -one. I've actually done it as part of keynotes or seminars or workshops. And people love the question because it immediately changes the energy in a room when you've got a bunch of people. Or one-to-one, -one, you will truly see a glint in somebody's eye. So I'm going to ask you the question, and then I promise I'll let you ask me the same question. Got so, it. Share with your listeners that probably have never heard before and built your network the year, first concert, who'd you see, and what do you remember? 
Oh man, you know what? I actually might be one of the only people that can't answer this question because <laughs> because I uh, I had a really unique upbringing in the fact that I grew up in a very small religious bubble context in uh, Southern California, and so uh, growing up, I was never allowed to go to concerts. Um, and uh, as an adult, I never it just it wasn't nostalgic for me, and it wasn't something that ever like you know piqued my interest a ton. So I've actually never really been to an actual concert before. Um, although, although I will say that uh, I, when I was in college, I did find myself at our local fair and Weird Al was playing. So I guess, <laughs> I guess, that, I guess that's really my answer is, is a Weird Al concert uh, back in uh, 2011 or so, probably 2012. So are we talking about Weird Al Yankovic, Travis, or just yes. some dude named Weird Al? <laughs> yeah, Weird Al Yankovic. Yeah, yeah. Not not just like some random guy named Al who I dubbed <laughs> as being weird. Yeah. <laughs> Good question though. Good follow-up. <laughs> so what's the what's the answer for you then, Jeff? Well, when people ask me that question, they're shocked when I tell them the actual story. So I'm gonna take you and your listeners back a long time ago. Perfect. The year is nineteen sixty-four. I am eight years old. My older sister, Linda, is 12. So let me repeat, I'm eight, she's 12. My parents drop us off at the Chicago Amphitheater at about 6.30. And they say, we'll pick the two of you up at 11 o'clock. Enjoy the show. Let me repeat, I'm eight and she's 12. They drop us off at 6.30 and say, we'll see you at 11 o'clock. That's crazy. Today, my parents would still be in jail for abandonment. <laughs> and the show that we saw was four guys from Liverpool, the Beatles. Interesting. That's amazing. So that's my first show, the yeah, Beatles. That's a crazy age to have your first <laughs> <laughs> parentless experience like that. And then I actually met Ringo Starr in the summer of 1978, immediately after college graduation, my best buddy, Mark Liss, before he and I then came back from Europe and we went to law school together. He's a lawyer, I'm a lawyer. He practices law. I chose never to practice law, although I've been an attorney since 1982. And in a casino in Monaco at the Lowe's Casino, Travis, we actually met and spent time with Ringo Starr because wow. he lived there. How was that? It was great. It was absolutely phenomenal. And this actually goes to networking, about building your network, which involves mm. risk and asking questions that people don't expect. Yes. So asking great questions is something that I teach my clients how to do. But this is actually a question that I approached Ringo Starr with back in 1978. In 1978, I was 22 years old, again, right after college graduation. I knew if I went up to him and said, excuse me, are you Ringo Starr that would bore him and he would dismiss me? So instead, I went up and I said, excuse me, has anyone ever told you that you've got a remarkable resemblance to Richard Starkey? That's his real name. No way. And he turned to me and he says, I'm Richard Starkey, mate. Why don't you sit down and join me? <laughs> And I spent the next 10 to 15 minutes till eventually my buddy Mark Liss and another guy who we were traveling with at the time from San Diego, who we just met in Europe, they came up and joined the conversation too. Wow, that's awesome. That's awesome. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. 
We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a, a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is uh, the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. And just from asking good questions, um, which really brings me to uh, a question for you, which is, yep. which is how did your how how did you cultivate that ability at a young age like that at the age of 22 how, how did you cultivate being a good question asker is that something that we can get better at is that something that you felt was natural for you and then you got better at it how, how was that for you the ability to ask great questions is truly an overlooked business skill most people think that if i focus on my pitch my presentation that that will catapult me to new levels of success it's unlikely because that's focused on what you want to focus on as opposed to what your prospect, your client, your customer, your decision maker or buyer, what they want to focus on. Hmm. So I learned at a very young age, the significance of language and the significance of asking really good questions. Part of that comes from the fact that I couldn't speak when I was younger. So people often draw this assumption, Travis, when they hear that, okay, I'm a lawyer, I've got a broadcast background, I'm a speaker. Their assumption is speaking in language was always easy for me, and it wasn't. Hmm. So when I was a little guy, and when Mark Liss, who I alluded to, was a little guy, and we have been friends since the age of five, grammar school, high school, college, law school together, best man at my wedding, Mark and I both went to speech correction lessons. Wow. Now, that's how I say it now. But when I was a little guy, I said speech correction lessons because <laughs> I couldn't pronounce my O's and my L's and he couldn't pronounce his S-H's and his C-H's. Hmm. As it turned out, I make a living speaking. He makes a living as an attorney 
and is a litigator. And for me, he handles now all my intellectual property work. Mm-hmm. So he and I both learned at a young age the significance of language. And then really through broadcasting and also law school is where I learned the significance of asking really good questions. And if you'd like, I can share some immediate strategies that will help anybody listening, whatever stage of the career they're in right now, whether they're a rookie, whether an entrepreneur just beginning a startup, or they're a savvy veteran, I can share real quickly some really simple questioning strategies. Yes, please go ahead and do that. And then we'll jump back into the story after that. (laughs) Okay, cool. First, you have to know why you're asking the questions. And I always stress to clients or anyone who I'm speaking to, keynote, seminar, workshop, whatever it might be. And the same thing was true in my books, whether it's Peak Your Profits, the new fifth edition, or any other book, Stop Whining, Start Selling. You've got to ask great questions to understand the two driving motivators of your decision makers. There are only two. Here's the first one. All people want you to do is to improve their condition, that's the present, and number two is help them attain a more favorable future. Obviously, that's the future. That's why anybody right now who's listening, Travis, to build your network is they want to improve their current condition and attain a more favorable future. Hmm. So I stress to folks, you've got to ask what I call power probes. And power probes are open-ended need development questions. They begin with a who a what, a when, a where, a why, a which, a how, or a tell me more about. One more time, who, what, when, where, why, which, how, or tell me more about. You can even add ed, ed meaning E-D, E, explain to me how, or D, describe for me. They are always open-ended except in two circumstances. First is for qualifying purposes. You've got to make sure you are dealing with a decision maker, someone who is what I call a player versus a pretender. And then it's also okay to actually ask questions that are yay, nay, if you seek a decision. Is it go time? Are we moving forward? Do we have the green light? Then it's cool to ask a closed-ended question like that. Now, I have developed truly hundreds of questions that I share with my clients for them to use before, during, after, ongoing in the relationship they've got with customer, client, prospect, decision maker. And what I'd like to do specifically for your build, your network listeners is the following. If they shoot an email to Cheryl at my office, Travis, and Cheryl is S-H-E-R-Y-L at Jeff, J-E-F, F Blackman, black just like the color, man.com. If they send Cheryl an email and in the subject simply put Sweet 16 Travis Rocks, Sweet 16 Travis Rocks, Cheryl will then send a Sweet 16 of questions anyone listening can potentially use with current or prospective clients. Because the use of great questions, it is my experience, more important, my client's experience is, it's a game changer. It drives results quickly and ethically and dramatically. 
Man, that's that's amazing. If you're listening to this right now and you do not take advantage of what Jeff just offered, uh, then uh, then you should definitely reconsider and make sure to pull up your phone. I mean, obviously, safely for driving. Don't do it while you're driving, but safely uh, pull out your phone, pull out your computer, whatever it is. Email Cheryl, S-H-E-R-Y-L at Jeff at jeffblackman.com with the subject line sweet 16 travis rocks and uh, he'll send you over those questions i know i'm going to do it jeff because i'm always looking to improve my question asking ability and i have you know through this show have discovered how insanely important of a skill set that it is uh and one that's completely like you were saying at the beginning of this really underrated um in terms of the the hierarchy of skills that uh, people especially in business need to master well, and it's crucial to something that you and I both know the value of. For example, one of your favorite quotes is, leave every relationship better than you found it. And your mission, I know, is cultivate genuine relationships the right way. Hmm. And the only way you can accomplish those things, Travis, is by showing a sincere interest in another human being. Sincere, only, yes. It's got to be sincere. People say, can you fake sincerity? Uh, no, that ain't <laughs> want to work. Genuine, authentic relationships are crucial because you've got to discover what's important to another human being. And most people do not prepare. I am nuts. I am fanatical about the preparation process. In preparation for our interview today, I wanted to listen to some of your other interviews. So I did. I want to know as much as I could about you so I could reference, i.e. your mission or your quote about the significance of creating better relationships. Most folks who I talk to, they do not prepare. So I work with clients all the time on the significance of preparation, not to go to LinkedIn or Google Alerts or Facebook to find out about who your decision maker is. It is incomprehensible to me. But you and I both know people want quick fixes. They want the magic bullet. Exactly. There ain't none. I haven't seen any a 38-year business career when I chose not to practice law in 1982. There are no quick fixes. It requires hard work, but more important, smart work. Knowing about your decision maker, being purposeful, practice and preparation, that's really what drives results. Man, that is so true. Okay, so this one has been a long time coming, and I'm excited to announce the launch of my new company, World Class Media. I've been doing podcast coaching and consulting for individuals and businesses for the last couple of years, and over the last few months, I just haven't been able to keep up with the requests, so in order to serve more people, I've decided to stop taking on coaching clients and start an agency that creates a done-for-you podcasting solution, as well as monthly production and repurposing services. So if you are a business owner, coach, consultant, entrepreneur, real estate investor, whatever it may be, then a podcast should be be the most powerful business development tool in your arsenal. Imagine having something that is constantly engaging your ideal client, even when you're sleeping, or that allows you to connect with the top people in your industry to build your network and establish credibility, or that allows you to help listeners that are currently outside of your sphere of influence, or that helps you get book deals or speak on more stages or create content once that we can repurpose and distribute across all the platforms for you. That is the power of a world-class podcast that's done the right way. So if you're interested in starting a show, but you just don't have the time, the resources, or desire to figure out all the tech stuff, the hosting, the equipment, the platforms, the production, 
then you just focus on what you do best, which is serving your clients and running your business. And then let my team focus on what we do best, which is creating world-class chart-topping podcasts. Let's at least hop on a call and chat about it because I'm fairly picky with the people that I work with. And I only work with people who I genuinely think are going to be able to absolutely crush it with a new show. So head over to travischapel.com slash make my podcast. That's travischapel.com slash make my podcast. And we'll chat real soon. So let's, let's talk a little bit more about that story that you just mentioned about you going to law school and now you've been in a business career since then. Uh, why? What, what, what was the big compelling reason for you to drop the time and energy and I mean money really to be able to go to law school and actually graduate with a degree in law and then not use that? What was, what was the drawing factor into what you ended up deciding? Terrific question. So I'll share with you a response from several levels, emotional as well as physical. And I'll tell you what I mean. So I'm 64 years old. I'm a child of the 60s. Being a child of the 60s, I grew up watching television. So my perception of the law, Travis, was a TV show like Judge for the Defense or Perry Mason. And they litigated. Well, I thought they litigated. As it turns out, and you probably got buddies who are litigators, they don't litigate. The last place they want to end up is in the courtroom because it takes time, effort, energy, and it's really, really expensive for their clients. But I don't know that as a college student. I don't know that growing up. And I really don't discover this until law school. Now, in law school, academically, I did real well. And I won with another fellow, Steve Herseth, moot court competition. And our final round of judges was actually Prentice Marshall, who was the head judge of the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals, which is here in Chicago. We actually appeared in the Seventh Circuit Appellate Court. And Judge Marshall is the one who made the decision to award Steve and I winners of moot court. He said, I can't let just one of you win. You guys were both terrific. I'm making sure you both win. Hmm. But I discover that I'm not going to be litigating, which is what I wanted to do because you want to settle because it's really more cost effective. So I leave law school during the day. I go to law school at night. And during the day, I pursue advertising and broadcast interests. My undergraduate degree hmm. from the University of Illinois is in advertising. So I always love the creative aspects of advertising because it's about persuasion. The law is about persuasion. Yeah. I graduate law school, just takes me an extra six months by going at night. Thankfully, I pass the bar exam and I'm now a lawyer. I'm actually sworn in on an early date in May, but I find out that I discover that I passed the bar on April the 5th. Turns out it was a snowy day here in Chicago in 1982, which happens to be my wife Cheryl's, and we've been married now for 38 years, her birthday. So that day is always memorable. It's the day I passed the bar, and it's also the day that I knew it was her birthday leading to our marriage in August of 1982. We come back from our honeymoon, Travis, and I say to her, because she said, Jeffrey, you've got a couple of offers to litigate. Where are you going to practice law? I said, honey, I'm not going to practice law. She said, mm. excuse me? <laughs> yeah. uh, what? So right. it comes to her as kind of a surprise, but it really shocks my late mother-in-law. I was going to say, yeah, I'm sure your in-laws were happy about that. <laughs> they were really taken by surprise. But here's the good news is that I found my passion. 
So it really took about seven years before I could start to generate revenue that was significant. Those first seven years were kind of amorphous, but I always tell people, especially entrepreneurs, if you find your passion, then money will find you. Mm. Never pursue something solely because you think it's going to be lined with greenbacks. That's the wrong motivation. Mm. First, find your passion, make a difference, deliver incredible value. So what was that passion? The passion was I knew that I now had this ability to speak effectively because it's something I couldn't do when I was a kid. So therefore, at a very young age, because I needed speech coercion lessons, as I alluded to earlier, I became fascinated by language. So that's why my background also was in broadcasting. In terms of grammar school, I would pretend I was doing radio and TV. High school, I was hosting a radio show broadcasting basketball games with Mark Liss. College, college disc jockey, host, for example, of major events involving a radio station. And then once I got into the professional world, I did both radio and television. So that was always part of my background. And I realized those were my strengths. I always tell people, Travis, follow your strengths. Focus on what you're really, really good at. Don't focus on your weaknesses. Hire someone to do what it is that you can't stand doing or they're far better at it. Let them do it instead of you. That is I mean, that is such an important lesson, something that um, it's, it's not common advice, which blows my mind. Uh, you know, the common advice is to always focus on your weaknesses and, and, and sharpen up your weaknesses because, you know, your strengths are your strengths and you always be good at those, but work on your weaknesses. And, but in reality, like you're saying, that's not how, that's not how you become exceptional at something. That's not how you become different than everybody else at something. And especially for someone like you that was going into uh, an insanely saturated space in broadcasting, um, especially at a time where, you know, stuff like this, a podcast or a YouTube channel um, didn't exist. You had to go the traditional route and you had to be able to impress the right people in order to be able to get the opportunities that you needed. So uh, talk to me about what the next steps were for you in order to go from, I don't know how I'm going to make money doing this to now I'm making really good money doing this and talking to some of the best people in the world. It takes time. It takes focus. Focus is absolutely crucial. Too many people are unfortunately distracted by whatever the next shiny object is. When I work with clients, we work on something called the Focus Five. I've got a whole bunch of trademarks, which Mark List takes care of for me because, again, he's my IP attorney. And the Focus Five happens to be one of our trademarks. And what we stress to clients is not what are the 30 or 40 things you want to focus on, but right now, what are the Focus Five over the course of, i.e., the next quarter, the next 90 days? What specifically do you want to be able to accomplish? And with clients, their natural tendency is to do it in general terms, and I won't let them, because I stress to them specificity and accountability. So I have them converted into a really simple formula of I will do X, that's the behavior, by Y, that's the date. So without those two things, we've probably got rhetoric instead of reality. We've probably got fantasy as opposed to fact. So mm. I require my clients to convert everything into an I will do X by Y mentality. So when they say to me, hey, I'm going to do blank, they know the next question is going to be super by when. You've mm. got to define the what, 
You've got to define the when, and it's got to be quantifiable. It's got to be measurable. If you have quantifiable and measurable, then, then Travis, you can make it actionable, and then you can hold someone accountable. And I always tell folks, when all is said and done, more should not be said than done. You are not compensated in life or business for intent. You're compensated by what you do. Hmm. So here's a question for you. Yep. For, for somebody that's maybe listening to that and going, yes, I'm 100% on board. I'm trying to do that right now. But I don't know enough about this industry to be able to put a timeline on it. Like, I don't know how long realistically this is, would be able to, t- you know, when I started my podcast, for instance, I, I felt very similar to that. Like, I, I didn't know through what standards you know, I was going to have a quote unquote good show or what, how long it would take to get to that standard because I didn't know what the standard was. When, you, when you're first getting started, how, how do you set goals like that without all of the knowledge of how it's going to come together? Here's one thing that we need to accept about life and about business. We never have all the knowledge. Never. Because life is constantly in a state of flux. My dad, who passed away in February of 2019, was a very successful lawyer and accountant. Dad, during his prime, he passed away at the age of 91, and the firm required, which he founded, that you retire at 65. And they did that for good reason. It allowed younger people to realize they had a future as opposed to all these old dudes would still be around, male or female, if they were in their late 60s or 70s. So dad's theory was that life is a series of adjustments. As soon as one new fact is introduced, it changes things. So as a result of that, we never have got all the facts. And I've got a very dear friend by the name of Frank Bucero. He probably would be a terrific guest for you as well because he specializes in ethics, how it applies to life and how it applies to business. And Frank said this to me following my dad's death, and I've used it so often now with so many other people, and that is when it comes to life and business, trust the mystery. Hmm. Trust the mystery. Trust the mystery. We do not have a crystal ball. There are going to be predictors of doom and gloom and the naysayers and the critics. My suggestion is ignore them. Stay confident about your future. Have belief. Confidence, by the way, Travis, comes from two Latin words. The words are confite, and confite means with faith. So one of the reasons that you've been successful, i.e. with your podcast, is you had faith in what you wanted to accomplish, even though you didn't quite know what that would look like. Fair statement? Very true, yes. So you couldn't predict the future, but you knew, okay, today I need to do X, and I will accomplish it by Y. Could have been the end of the day, could have been the end of the week. Yet, is it fair to say that you were very focused about what it is that you wanted to accomplish? Yes, definitely. That makes it a heck of a lot easier. No kidding, Ed. The, there's freedom in that true commitment, right? Like the, the, the fact that there was, no, there was no other way for this to happen for me. It was very much, I will do this until I see success with it, not I will do this you know, for a little bit of time and then see what happens after that. <laughs> it was just a... No, like I, I have an idea of what it might take, but after a year or two of doing it, it was pretty easy for me to adjust to what I then knew was more realistic and what would still be pushing myself in terms of, of what I could accomplish with it. 
and that's important. And I just had this conversation with a group of clients this week, a group of people all within the same organization, because I'm working with them as part of a long-term coaching and learning system. So one of the things that I work on one-to-one with each one of these folks is give me your specific focus five that you want to focus on as we continue to work together. And one of the things that I was curious about was what are their daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, and annual goals, and and how will they reward themselves? And the question took them by surprise. They went, well, what do you mean? How would I reward myself daily or weekly? I'm really only focused on the end result. And I said, Mm -hmm. okay, think about football. A touchdown is worth six points. But in order to get those six points, there's a pretty good likelihood they all didn't get acquired on the same play. You march down the field and reward 10 yards. We reward 10 yards. It's a first down. That's another first down. We acknowledge it. We move the chains. That's a sign of forward progress. And I stress to these clients, reward your consistent victories and triumphs because it's those daily or weekly or monthly or quarterly victories that will then lead to the end result, whatever you define that end result to be. What you're doing today, your choices today will influence your tomorrow, your quarter, your year, for that matter, even your decade. And people forget the significance of the choices they make. And I just wrote about this on LinkedIn, as a matter of fact. I wrote about it specifically from the focus of focus versus fear. Which do you choose? Mm. And many people are frightened about the future and they concoct all the reasons why something will not work. And I stressed confite with faith, belief, and then what will you do to take action to assure the greatest likelihood of success? Yeah. Yeah, man, I mean, there's so many directions now kind of to, to take this, but I, I want to get back into the story a little bit. So you, uh, you start in this broadcasting career, right? Where, where, at what point do all the other things start happening? I mean, you're a Hall of Fame speaker, you're a best-selling author, a coach, you're, you know, so many other things that you've done and you'd be able to have conversations with people like Oprah, Jerry Seinfeld, Bruce Jenner, and Penn Jillette, like we're talking about. Where, where do some of these major accomplishments come in and what, what, what got you focused on creating some of those other successes? Well, they happen over time. And I often say that to people that I can share with them strategies in my 60s or when I was in my 50s that I couldn't when I was in my 20s or 30s. And that's the value of experience. So what experience teaches you is what to do as well as what not to do. So I'm really good at knowing what to now avoid as well as what the possibilities are. That's one of the things that law taught me. I often get the question, well, legally, what did you learn that you're able to apply? And I say the greatest thing that the law taught me is that really the law is not about black or white. It's about the gray. It's about what are the possibilities as opposed to only a singular way to solve a situation. And now I draw the comparison to a kaleidoscope. So I'm sure you've seen a kaleidoscope before. And if you're staring through a kaleidoscope, Travis, just a slight nudge in a direction left or right causes the glass to change. The prism looks different. And the number of 
number of combinations and possibilities are infinite. And conceptually, that's really what the law taught me to think about is the gray about the possibilities. So creatively, that's what I do with my clients as well. When I ask them about what if, and they go, oh, we never quite looked at it that way. So in terms of me broadcasting radio, TV, or becoming a Hall of Fame speaker, which happened, for example, in 2008, it takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. I know yeah. of no one that's ever achieved so-called overnight success. You bust your butt for a really long time. You have to have a willingness to pursue success and an acceptance of failure. And when I say failure, meaning you don't fail as an individual, but perhaps the experience didn't work. Maybe things you could have done differently, but any successful career is gonna be marked by challenge. Hmm. One of my favorite quotes is from, because I'm an athletic guy, I've always played multiple sports and love all kinds of sports. My favorite quote is from Johnny Wooden, the great basketball coach at UCLA. Yeah. The quote, and I say this daily to myself when appropriate, and I've shared it with clients, they go, oh, that's a keeper. It's very simple, Travis. Things work out best for those who make the best out of the way things work out. Hmm. That puts you and I in control of our choices, nobody else. I was going to say, we could just put a period at the end of that and wrap up the show right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that right there is, um, you know, if you can master that, if you can master your reactions to the things that happen that are out of your control, man, how powerful is that? A simple example, our daughter is very concerned about the impact potentially of the coronavirus on her upcoming wedding date. Hmm. And she actually texted me earlier today, prior to you and I chatting, Dad, do you think the wedding will need to be canceled? And when I spoke to her, I said, honey, we do not have the ability to predict the future. Hmm. You know, Dad is an optimist. Everything is full speed ahead because we don't have facts that would cause us right now to think any differently. We get new facts. We might need to adjust. But right now, everything is full speed ahead. And I tell people if they choose to worry, they can, but it's kind of like sitting in a rocking chair. It's an interesting activity, but you get nowhere. <laughs> oh, that's a perfect uh that's a perfect comparison i love that uh, i'm gonna start saying that to people now uh yeah and i mean wor- worry really is just the f- worry is basically having faith that things aren't going to work out right because we don't know right. either way it's fair it's fair of the unknown do you trust the mystery no i'm worried about the mystery well yeah okay then worry if you choose to hmm yeah, but it doesn't do any good. Yeah, I love that. Love that comparison. Okay, so we're, we're running out of time here, Jeff. I do want to make sure that we talk about your book. Okay, you're on the fifth edition of this book now, Peak Your Profits. Uh, can, you, can you talk to us about uh, the top one or two things that people might be taking away from that and how we can find our copy? <laughs> it's easy to find a copy if you'd like. Simply go to Amazon. Perfect. If you go to Amazon, you'll see the fifth edition of Peak Your Profits. It is a dark navy blue cover and you'll see peak your profits in white and gold and kind of a little star on the front cover that says the new fifth edition and right on the cover it says outsell outserve outmarket outnegotiate your competition the good news is that's not how i feel about the book 
That's how clients feel about the book and its strategies. So the book includes, and this fifth edition, in essence, is brand new because what I did is I started from scratch with a new publisher, terrific publisher, Networlding Publishing out of Chicago. My publisher, Melissa Wilson, she's outstanding. And I just started from the beginning. So it's not like a rewrite of editions four, three, two, and one. I really started from scratch. So I added a whole bunch of new content. And thankfully, the reaction has been terrific. And most important, the people who read it share with me, whether it's in person, via email, a phone call, Jeff, this stuff works. And it does. And that's the greatest joy I get in my work is when I'm able to help someone meet or more important, exceed whatever their defined goals are with a new philosophy, a new strategy, a new tip or a technique. Because everything in the book is based upon value, integrity, and being non-manipulative, along with a boatload of power probes way beyond some of the ones that I alluded to earlier. So the good news is clients have been using these strategies for decades, and now since the most recent edition has come out, they continually tell me how it's really making a difference in client satisfaction, customer loyalty, and most important, the results they help others achieve, and they in turn are obviously creating greater growth for their business, generating more revenue, and many are obviously earning more money, more commissions. Well, if you are a listener of the show, then you know how I feel about getting books. Oh, anytime anybody recommends a book to you, just buy it immediately because if you put it <laughs> off, you're just going to forget. And uh, you know, you may, you may as well just have it on hand for when you're ready to start reading it, even if you do have another, another couple books in, the, in your reading list lineup before you can insert this one into it. So definitely be sure to head over to Amazon right now and grab a copy of Peak Your Profits, uh, the fifth edition from Jeff Blackman. And uh, I am sure, I'm positive that you will have a plethora of takeaways uh, from that book because in just the short period of time in this in this uh, quick interview, I've had so many and I'm sure you have as well. So go pick up a copy of Peak Your Profits immediately as well as don't forget to email Cheryl at jeffblackman.com. Cheryl, S-H-E-R-Y-L at jeffblackman.com with the subject line, Sweet 16 Travis Rocks. So you can get a copy of those questions uh, that Jeff has for you as well. So Jeff, thank you so much, man. I, I can't thank you enough for all the values you offered for the audience today. I really appreciate it. It was awesome to have a conversation with you. It was a treat. Thank you, Travis. Well, that's it for today's show. If you want more advanced networking strategies, as well as an instant network upgrade, then consider partnering with my BYN Inner Circle Mastermind. There are already dozens of high quality entrepreneurs in the group. There's dozens of video lessons on networking. There's monthly calls, there's accountability crews and more, all for the low investment of just 99 bucks a month. So head over to byninnercircle.com to jump in. That's byninnercircle.com. Thanks so much for joining us on today's show. See you next time. Remember to leave every relationship better than you found it.